0: Season 1 of this show is sponsored by FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers and solopreneurs. If you're ready to take your side gig to the next level, you can't spend dozens of hours each week drafting invoices and chasing down late payments. With FreshBooks, you can send an invoice in less than 30 seconds. Plus, you can see when your client has opened their invoice and schedule automatic follow-up emails that trigger if they forget to pay. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com slash side gig and enter side gig in the how did you hear about us section. Later in this episode, you'll hear about one FreshBooks customer who uses it to scale their small creative business, so stay tuned for that. Hey everybody, this is Preston and you are listening to SideGig. We're three independent entrepreneurs who have built successful side businesses all while working our standard 9-to-5 desk job. Your hosts are Ryan...
1: Hi, I'm Ryan Robinson. I'm a content marketing consultant to the world's top experts and growing startups. I've helped companies like Creative Live and LinkedIn, experts like Tim Ferriss and Lewis Howes grow their brands and create more influence online through
2: content marketing. Ian, hi, I'm Ian Paget, also known as Logo Geek. My website and blog generates hundreds of new leads each month. I've also leveraged social media to be seen as an influential designer which has attracted exciting opportunities such as the judging of International Design Awards. My side gig has been so successful, I've now gone part-time freelance.
0: And me, Preston. I took a blog I started as an experiment in college and turned it into a business that now makes more than I do at my desk job. In this episode, Ryan, Ian, and I riff for the entire episode on side business ideas. If you're ready to start supplementing your income with a successful side business, but you're not sure where to start, this episode is for you. Let's jump right in. So today we're going to talk about realistic business models that you can actually do as a side gig because let's face it, there are some businesses that work as side gigs and other businesses that are just simply too time intensive, capital intensive, whatever it might be. They're not very realistic if you're looking at doing something on the side of your desk job nine to five every day of the week. So we're going to jump right in. I, I want to start with one that's pretty obvious uh, because I run Milo.co and Milo is first and foremost a blog. So I would say one thing that you can do on the side that's a business model is blogging. Now, before I get flack from listeners or maybe even from you guys about blogging not being a business model, you're right. It's not. I remember when I when I started Milo it, years ago, it was called Graphic Design Blender and I remember I was like so young and naive about it. I went to my dad and I said, dad, did you know that you can just write about things and then people will pay to put their ads on your website and you can make all this money just from mm-hmm. writing. And he sort of smiled at me like he, he sort of. Yeah, he was doubt. He was doubtful. And um, I'm glad he didn't really shut me down because I moved forward with that plan. And now, you know, I make more than at my day job using that business model. But it is important to point out just blogging or just writing or just creating content on its own isn't isn't actually a business model. But if you can blog and bring in advertisers or sponsors or sell information products like courses or eBooks, or sell, you know, coaching or consulting or something on the side, then um, then those are the kinds of business models off of blogging that can really be great for side gigging. And I think blogging is really, really great for it, especially because you can write in batches and schedule things out. Same with podcasting or making videos or whatever. You can do them all at once and then batch them out so that while you're at your desk job, things are publishing, getting shared, and you're growing your blog. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to hop onto that, I also make money from my blog. Um, I don't do it in the same way you do, um, which I think is really interesting because I don't do sponsored content. I don't have any ads on my blog Um, But what I do is I have a lot of affiliate links um, for different products that I have used and like and recommend to my readers Um, that that alone actually sort of tallies up to somewhere less than a thousand dollars a month um, in revenue that comes to me. But the best thing about it is that it's all completely passive. So um, I can sort of take these products that I do like, recommend them contextually to my readers Um, and it translates into nice passive revenue for me. And so that's been a great one. Um,
0: yeah, that's a great one to bring up. And you know, most people who are listening probably are familiar with Pat Pat Flynn at smart passive income. He's made mm -hmm. quite a name for himself building up passive income. And, um, he does it just like you said, Ryan, where he, you know, he has tons of affiliate links on his site and not in spammy, gross, like, like annoying ways, He has them in helpful ways. He has, you know, a a lot of great content around starting a blog or starting an online business. And then he refers you to tools like hosting or I mean, there's there's zillions of tools that he recommends. And then every month he gets, like you said, the more content he creates, the more he builds and builds on that same revenue every month. And it's been amazing to watch.
2: Mm. Yeah, I've also got a blog myself, although it's not the main area that I focus on but I'm also monetizing it in the same way as you guys with um, affiliate marketing. Um, In my case, the main reason why I do have a blog is to um, kind of promote myself as an expert and also for SEO reasons. Um, So it's not necessarily a business in my case, but I am making money from it as well. Excellent.
0: And I think we can maybe say the same thing for like podcasting or a YouTube channel, although YouTube's a little bit different. You know, some people make a ton of money from YouTube videos by using the native advertising platform on YouTube. So I think there's, I think, I guess maybe we can wrap this all up into like creating content Mm -hmm. as a business model, Mm -hmm. whether you use sponsorships, affiliates, advertising, whether you sell your own products, maybe that bleeds into ones we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I think creating content is a really viable side gig sort of business model if you do it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think definitely. And something that's sort of closely related to that. Um, I, I almost hesitate to say creating content or to call this creating content, um, but creating some sort of digital product that is transformational by nature for the people consuming it. So whether you call it a course or a class or, you know, a training program, a workshop, um, whatever the the taxonomy, I think if you create something that is educational and helps your uh, readers actually learn a new skill or accomplish this goal they've had in mind for a long time, there's a ton of value in that. And so I think that the more you're able to sort of niche down with what you think um, some topic areas are that people might be interested in learning about, um, when you can position yourself as an expert, you know, sort of use your skills and your experience to to teach people how to make the type of transformation that you've made yourself, um, that can be a very, very powerful business model. And so that's that's sort of where where I've been moving towards with my website, RyRob.com. Um, and I'm taking my blog, which is already this platform of people coming to me for um, a very specific niche topic. And so I'm creating something that they want, which is an online course that sort of helps them make the transformation I've done myself. So it's really interesting to see that come to life.
0: Yeah. And I think the difference is, you know, some people as a side gig might Uh, teach at a college or university as an adjunct uh, professor, which I think Mm -hmm. is fine and admirable. But again, you're trading your time for your money in that instance. Like you have to be there however many times a week for an hour or two, and you have to be teaching. Whereas if you, if you create some sort of educational product, again, a course, an ebook, um, even like, you know, I used this awesome app a, a few years ago to lose some weight. And it just, all I did every day was like, teach me something new about being healthy and help me track what I was eating and how I was exercising. And so it was stuff I could have looked up online, but they like found it all and put it in one place. And then every day delivered a couple new things that I needed to learn. Mm. There are a million ways you can deliver information to someone, but I think you're right, Ryan. Like the key is focus on the, the transition or the transformation that someone's going to make from where they are now to where they want to be. And then right in the middle, that's the sweet spot. That's what you sell as an informational product.
2: I think the beauty of having a uh, product is uh, it's perfect for a sidekick because you can you know make it once. Like, so you can take a week off work, make it, and then you can continually sell it. So you don't have to um, you know, be creating content every weekend. You're literally creating something and then the rest of the time uh, market, marketing it in some way to actually sell it ongoing.
0: Yeah, exactly. In fact, if we come back to the first model, which was like blogging or podcasting some sort of media, you can actually now pair these two and say, you know, every week I'm going to blog about um, freelancing and all of my freelancing content is going to point people to this course about becoming a freelancer. So, yeah, I think I think many of these probably what we'll see today as we chat, many of these models can can go hand in hand and be very successful. In fact, another one that I think could go along with what we've talked about is consulting. So, you know, if you blog about something or podcast or make YouTube videos about a certain topic and you're really focused on what Ryan was talking about, which is which is like solving this A to Z problem, then it's very easy to then throw yourself in as a consultant and say, um, you know, for X dollars a month, I'm I'm available on the phone. I'm available in email. I'll sit down with you an hour a week and I'll, I'll consult or coach you through the process of getting from A to Z. Now it can be a little tricky. Um, you know, you can't, some jobs, some nine to fives, you can't be on your phone, meaning someone can't call you in the middle of the day and have you answer. But I don't know, what do you guys think about using consulting or coaching as, as a side gig sort of business model?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, that's, that's what I've, I've done a really good job of myself. Um, so Back when I was at Creative Live with my my last full time job that I had, I was a content marketer. So um, I took my my uh, my website and I sort of built this page that highlighted some of my successes that I've had at Creative Live um, as a content marketer. And so I started branding myself as a content marketing consultant. Um, I think that really sort of bleeds the line with you know freelancing. You're basically trading your trading your time. Um, for income and in a respect, but that income can be significantly higher when you're positioning yourself as a consultant, and so it's also a really good personal branding play. Um, but yeah, yeah, for me, that's that's been great.
0: So I'm curious, Ryan. You say you said there's a difference in branding between calling yourself a coach versus calling yourself a consultant. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, I think it actually implies two different things. So for me, um, when you're calling yourself a consultant that sort of positions you, um, as in how I view it, at least working with brands. Um, when I think of a coach, I think of someone who does, you know, maybe one-on-one consulting with other individuals. Mm. Um, Interesting. so yeah.
0: Yeah. So potentially there's more revenue in being a consultant because you're doing, it feels a little more B2B as opposed to consumer. Right. Yeah. Cool.
2: I think it's ideal as well because, uh, you can essentially block out times, so, you know, when you're doing uh, some consulting, you essentially blocked out that hour. So uh, I find with a side gig, um, obviously, you, you can't do it the entire time. Um, but with consulting, you can maybe do one a week or you can do one every other day. You know, you can fit it around your lifestyle. So consulting is a, it's a really good uh, side gig.
0: And I think you'll see, too, later on. In, later on in the season, we're going to talk about uh, how to how to fit in side gigging with what you're doing every day. but a little sneak peek I would say is like you know if you want to go the consulting or coaching route, you have a lot of people anyway have you know an hour lunch break they could do a little bit of that kind of work on they have maybe a commute like how easy is it to hop on a phone while you're sitting in traffic and talk with someone, consult with someone about something like you said, um, Ian, you could take a earlier you said about you know creating courses, you could take a day off. Work, for example, I took a day off work today to record this podcast. Um, You can take a day off work and just batch uh, consult. Like you can set up all your consulting appointments on the first Wednesday of every month or whatever it might be. So I think there are ways to do that for sure. I'd say another way, um, another business model that works really, really well for side gigging right now is participating in the gig economy. So if you're not familiar with the gig economy, um, the gig economy is like, Sites, websites like fiverr maybe you've heard of or people per hour or freelancer there are these sites where people need something done and you can fill that gig you can do that gig with the expertise that you have but you don't have to be doing it all day you can sort of pick how many gigs you want to do in any given amount of time and bring in the revenue accordingly have you guys tried that sort of thing at all
2: I haven't myself, but it's very similar to what I'm actually doing in terms of offering a service. But I'm offering it direct as opposed to using sites like these.
1: Sure, that'd be the same for me. Um, I, I typically try and personally avoid the freelance marketplaces um, when I can. But I mean, I think when you're when you're t- going at this from a, a standpoint of wanting to learn. What you could offer as a skill or a service for people, um, it can be a really good way to test into the different types of jobs and sort of experiment with what you do and do not like about um, freelancing in that, that specific industry.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with what I think both of you are hinting at, which is I'm not sure it's a good long term strategy. It's a mm-hmm. very like beginner strategy to use, for example, Fiverr it can be very controversial 99 designs is the same way it's like people may not be getting paid what they're worth and may not be putting out the best quality of work and that kind of thing i would say for a beginner though it it is an interesting proposition and i did hear we'll link this in the show notes but i did hear a podcast the other day from gimlet creative they talked about someone who on fiverr started just doing like an odd job here or there every night she'd get home from her 9 to 5 and she would record voiceover she would she was a voiceover Artist, And she would do one or two a night. And then, you know, people really liked her work. So they had her do more. And she was doing five, six, seven, 10 a night. And pretty soon she was like staying up till three or four in the morning, doing these voiceover gigs for Fiverr and making more money doing that than she was at her nine to five job. So she ultimately left and, and just, and now she's like one of the top sellers on Fiverr and makes a ton of money every year, just, just doing wow. voiceover gigs on Fiverr. So I think there is a place for it for sure. You have to be careful. There's a, it's very saturated, um, and it's very hard to sort of break into there. But I think, like you said, it's, it's an interesting place to experiment and learn what you like to do and what you're good at.
1: Yeah. And I think actually when, once you're able to sort of build your skills or your reputation, your confidence, um, There are actually niche sites that sort of offer, you know, call it, you know, the top 10% of people in this field. And so like one example for me as a content marketer, there's a website called contently.com and they they claim to sort of be, you know, a a marketplace for the top 5% of content marketing freelancers. And so I actually love using that marketplace because all the gigs are sort of priced appropriately for everyone who's sort of at this stage in their career. So I would say, yeah, like go out there and see if there are niche marketplaces that that do have places for you to offer up your skills. And we'll go ahead
0: and link um, all of that in the show notes so that you can you can check out Contently. I agree. That's a that's a wonderful site if you're if that's your niche. Um, I think, yeah, the, the job to be done is just like take take some time, search for. If if you're not in, maybe maybe you give it a go with something like Fiverr. But then once you know that it's something that you enjoy doing, try to find one of these premium sites that offers mm-hmm. a little bit better pay. The clients aren't such a hassle to work with. The jobs are better. Um, I think that's a really good way to go.
2: I think what it does offer you is that you can uh, start to build up a portfolio. So if you're totally new to um, a specific area that you want to be working on, you can actually start working on it at a a relatively uh, low value. Um, But then you can build up a portfolio that you can be putting online. You've got lots of different examples. And then you can eventually move into another area, which is a service, which is essentially what I'm doing myself. So with a service, in my case, I'm offering logos. And because I'm doing that type of thing, When I get an inquiry that comes in, I can choose to work on that or not. So I work on logos. So a logo project might take around uh, one to two weeks as a side gig. After that two-week period, if I want to take on another one and make a little bit more money, I can. If I want to stop and have a break, I've got the freedom to actually, you know, have a bit of a break from it, but I, I definitely think having a service it just gives you total freedom to pick and choose what type of thing you want to work on and when you work on it too.
0: And I think you bring up a really great point, which is you know a lot of people who are wanting to side gig, freelancing is a really quick and easy option. It's a it comes to mind really quickly. Oh, I'll just uh, design things or write things or I'll be a freelance marketer or something on the side while I work. my day job and and then people make the leap and they don't have anything in their portfolio like you said ian they don't they're not as prepared as they could be so what's cool i love this because we're sort of talking about a few business models that you could even work your way through you start somewhere like fiverr you move up to somewhere like contently then you um then you become your own service provider ryan like i'm sure you're building a name for yourself as a content marketing consultant. And so you start to build a name for yourself. Then you build out an infrastructure that's all your own. And ultimately, I mean, before you know it, you have a business on your hands that started as just a few random gigs here or there in the gig economy. So I agree. Um, you know, before you jump in with both feet into freelancing, make sure that you have some portfolio pieces and some people who trust you and know you and want you, want you to do the work. Season one of side gig is sponsored by FreshBooks. Lots of our readers and listeners use FreshBooks every day to manage their side gig or growing business. Annie, founder of OffCenterDesign.co, says FreshBooks has been a total game changer. The invoicing software is so easy to use, she says, and saves me so much time. They've got an automated recurring payments option and a late payment reminder, which is really helpful. FreshBooks is without question one of the smartest choices I've ever made for my business. To join Annie and try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com sidegig and enter side gig in the how did you hear about us section. Support for SideGig also comes from Bluehost. With a one-click WordPress install, 24-7 customer support, and a money-back guarantee, Bluehost has just what you need to rest easy. When you only have a few hours each week to grow your side hustle, you don't have time for your site to go down. With Bluehost, you won't have to worry about that. Learn more and get a special discount when you visit sidegigshow.com bluehost. That's sidegigshow.com bluehost. And now, enjoy the rest of today's episode of SideGig.
2: I mean, in my case, uh, with the service I offer... I wouldn't be able to get the inquiries that I get if I didn't have a blog. So it kind of goes full spin back to the original blog. So even though a blog is good as a business model, it's also a good way of putting yourself down as an authority in that topic. And it's also um, a good starting point for um, search engine optimization, which is how I get leads into my service.
0: I think that's fantastic. So we've talked a lot about digital and online sort of offerings. I'm curious, have you guys had any experience with physical products? I mean, is there or brick and mortar? Like, is there anything a little more traditional that people could do on the side as a side gig while they're working a nine to five?
1: You know, I actually had a physical product based business um, a few years ago on the side. I'd love to share a little bit about that. It was it was drastically <laughs> I, different. <laughs>
0: I actually have forgotten about that. But like
1: <laughs> to the listener, that's going to
0: sound like the cheesiest setup. Like, hey, did any of you guys have this? And and well, actually, I did.
1: Anyway, go ahead, Ryan.
0: That's perfect. I forgot about this. This is going to be a great, a great piece. For this.
1: Um, so this is now, gosh, this is about three or four years ago, um, I had a business called Case Escape, um, and what we did was we made custom phone cases, and so we would sell primarily on Etsy. We had this little printer set up. It was, gosh, I think maybe a couple thousand dollars total to get all this, all these printing um, equipment. You know, we would get blank cases in. We would have this special printer, this special ink, um, all these little things that were about a couple thousand dollars total, and we could print out custom phone cases in a matter of minutes. So we set up this Etsy shop with sort of this idea of offering custom phone cases on demand. It ended up getting absolutely zero traction at first, like literally nobody was buying them. (laughs) And so, you know, we, we sort of went back to the drawing board. We found a few case sellers on Etsy. Again, this is in about 2012, 2013, who were selling like very feminine oriented designs. So a lot of you know, things like beach settings with, you know, pink, um, opaque palm trees and sort of like geographic or uh, geometric designs on them. And so we took a totally different approach to designing phone cases. And um, we had, gosh, we threw up about 100, 150 different designs that were very, you know, Pinterest worthy, you could say. Um, and yeah, they the cases started to sell like hotcakes until, gosh, that that Etsy shop alone was selling about $70,000 um, in revenue a year worth of phone cases, pre-made designs that we were just printing out on demand.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I'm curious what happened to that business.
1: Yeah, it's actually still going. There's, um, <laughs> Good for you, man. My gosh, there's 2,500 or so sales on that Etsy shop.
0: Wow. wow. That's awesome. That's good for you, man. So I I have um, your story reminded me of a couple other people who I know who have done this kind of thing, too. I have a friend who, you know, Kickstarter uh, is maybe a good option for this kind of thing. If you're interested in Mm -hmm. testing a physical product, if you want to try to sell a physical product. I have a friend who had a Kickstarter campaign and he sold they were like these metal wallets. I won't go into the details, but basically he just wanted to see if he could raise a certain amount of money on Kickstarter, make a few wallets, sell them to people, get the experience under his belt. And then he he just moved on and he's still at his nine to five. And it wasn't ever meant to be anything bigger than that. He just wanted a little extra revenue and and wanted to get some learning experience. You know, my wife, um, she sells fabric and also like finished quilt, quilts, like she quilts uh, a lot and she's really good at mm. it. And so she sells those products on Etsy. Um, along with her, her mom and her sister-in-law and, um, and I actually have done, I've sold stuff on Amazon as well. Like if I find cheap new books, like on discount somewhere, I'll put those up on Amazon. It's super easy to list it through your mobile app. And then I've, I've made, you know, it's look, this isn't paying my mortgage or anything. And it's not my, not my, even my main side hustle. It's like a side, side, side hustle, but I've made like six or 700 bucks in the last few months, just selling random books that I've found and bought for a dollar and sold for $10 on Amazon. So I think there's lots of different ways you can use physical products. People still buy physical products a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, Amazon's whole business model is built on that structure. So.
2: I've done that with uh, eBay in the past. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much of a a side gig, but there was a point where I was buying these uh, film prints uh, for something like £10 each, and I was able to sell them on eBay for around £80 to £100 each. Um, So, I mean, at at the time, it was just like a quick quick buck, so to speak. Um, But, you know, you could make a business model out of that as well, you know, just buying and selling stuff whether it's through something like eBay or Amazon, or you could potentially set up your own um, e-commerce store and you know do it all formally um, you know with a proper website and stuff like that.
1: I think one also other cool avenue for for selling physical products, whether you're making them you know by hand yourself or you're sort of doing an arbitrage where you buy low, sell high, is going through pop-up shops. So whether you even like rent your own pop-up shop in in a vacant um, little store that doesn't get a lot of traction um, or you hop into an artist shop who already has a pop-up shop going um, there there's a lot of cool ways to get on that
0: so Ryan for, for those of us not familiar with a pop-up shop tell us what a pop-up shop is
1: yeah so basically a pop-up shop is um, a short-term lease on a retail space that doesn't lock you into a really long contract usually they're you know something like one month um, in duration and so you basically get to set up a temporary storefront for your business Without all of the super risky investments of going in on something like a yearly lease.
0: Yeah, exactly. The example of this that comes to mind most quickly for me is like at least here in the states we have those <laughs> those pretty tacky Halloween stores that like every <laughs> October they rent out the building for 30 days and they put up a big banner that says Halloween costumes or whatever. This is the kind of thing, right? It, it used to be the Best Buy or the it used to be used to be like Blockbuster or somewhere that went out of business. And now every October, it gets this 30-day period where it can sell costumes, right? That's kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. Maybe something a little more classy. Good. So I think we, we've about wrapped it up here. What, do you guys have anything we left out?
2: I have one more thing. It's expanding on my service. You could potentially outsource. So you could be promoting a service. Managing it yourself almost like an account manager. So you could be using freelancers, for example, online, um, and you could be setting up a website, but you're just literally the person in in the middle. So it means that you can uh, be promoting the business, taking on the projects, outsourcing it. So you don't actually do the work yourselves, Um, but it means that you can just spend a few hours at the end of each day or per week and essentially run a business without needing to have any of those skill sets.
0: Yeah, and you might find that you enjoy being sort of the creative director or the client liaison a little bit more than you enjoy pushing the pixels around, right? So there, <laughs> there's different levels of work to be done in that kind of scenario. You might find, like we talked about last episode, that you enjoy certain jobs more than others. And so that's a great way to sort of give other people the work that you're not as good at or not as interested in that doesn't fire you up and to do the work that, that really you're excited about most.
1: You know, I want to share just one really fun one because I happened to meet this guy in San Francisco the other day. I met this guy who started this. He did start on the side too. Really interesting. Um, he started this business called Vantigo and he basically purchased a a really old sort of beat up, um, VW bus. And in his free time, he restored it. He got it up working really well. Um, he, he slapped some really cool designs on it, repainted it. Um, and then he started doing VW van bus tours in San Francisco. And so he was, he was actually a marketer by trade in his job. And so he sort of took his you know, SEO writing marketing skills and is now driving a ton of business for his, his uh, tour company through his website. And he actually recently transitioned over to doing it full time. So you can get very creative with what your side hustle is. And I, I encourage that, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I think on this show, you know, we're, we're going to default to talking about freelancing, uh, creating content and business models around content, around information, around coaching or consulting, because that's what all three of us do a lot of. Mm-hmm. But I love exploring sort of these other businesses as well. These very creative, interesting businesses. Maybe we'll bring on some guests in one of the seasons and, and just talk about these like super interesting, uh, you know, sort of who to thought kind of business models that that people start on the side and and they ultimately grow into something bigger than themselves so good any any last thoughts
2: i think with a side hustle if there's something that you're really passionate about whatever it could be there's definitely a model for it so whatever your skill sets are you know there's different levels but there's definitely a model for you
0: excellent good parting words thanks so much guys
2: As always, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a second to give us an honest rating and review on iTunes. You can find a link to the show on iTunes at sidegigshow.com.
0: You can also subscribe for updates, announcements, and new episodes by visiting sidegigshow.com.
1: We'll also be doing a series of Q&A episodes all about building a successful side business.
0: If you want your question answered on the air, visit sidegigshow.com.
1: If you enjoyed the show, take a second and head over to sidegigshow.com and share with your friends. Show notes for this episode can be found at sidegigshow.com
2: slash businessmodels. Hey everyone, Ian here with a quick announcement. I have a free ebook packed with logo design tips from the pros with contributions from known designers including Aaron Draplin, Michael Beirut, and Jake Cass. For a free copy, simply visit logotips.co.uk.